Hello, everyone. Welcome to WinChat. Here, we discuss different topics on social relationships. Social relationships, according to social science, is any relationship between two or more individuals. So this podcast is not limited to any one type of relationship. We talk about friendship, family, acquaintances, work relations, and more. Thank you guys for joining. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to Win Chat. Today we have a special guest with us who we'll introduce in a moment, but we're going to be talking about family today. In the last podcast episode, I mentioned that I kind of surveyed people about where they spend most of their time. Upon doing that, I found that there are a few places these days where people spend their time, mostly because we've had to deal with COVID. So one of the places that became most prevalent is the home. Many people, you know, more than they were before are now home. And I think that forces a lot of people to have to spend most of their time with their families. As I established in a previous episode, having to spend time with family can be interesting if everyone doesn't share the same beliefs. It also highlights this notion that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that your family is. And the same could be said the other way around. So I'm curious, how do Christian and non-Christian family members talk about God or anything really? I have a friend of mine here to help me unpack that here a little today. Damaris, why don't you tell the people who you are? Hi, everybody. My name is Damaris, and I'm really excited and honored to be here. And I'm looking forward to this conversation today. Well, I'm glad you're here, too. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. And I know that you have your own little family now, Mm -hmm. but you still deal with like non-believers in your own family. Why don't you tell the viewers about the non-Christian family members you've encountered and what they are like and what they believe? I would have to kind of go back to my childhood a little bit. I didn't grow up Christian. Um, First and foremost, my family on both sides, uh, because I'm, you know, part Cuban, part Haitian. Um, And both sides are Catholic. So growing up, um, my parents are divorced. And so I spent a lot of time with my Cuban side of the family. And we would go to church maybe once a year. So for the most part, none of us were saved. And my dad later on, um, especially after my parents had divorced, my dad got saved. And so whenever I would go visit, that's when I actually started having encounters with um, Christ and you know Christianity and things like that and so that so I had to start there because that is how I was able to kind of build my relationship with my non-saved family members so going forward I got saved when I was a teenager and because of that seed that was planted from being with my dad on the weekends and going to a Christian church I was able to kind of get a better ground of what Christianity is and so when I got saved at the age of 14 um I had my family members on my mom's side who are Cuban. They were still Catholic and they did do, you know, some stuff (laughs) that weren't Christian. Um, And I just remember having a lot of back and forth with them um, because I was still new in my walk. And whenever I would bring up God or Jesus or anything like that, it came off a little judgmental initially. So there was a lot of contention between us um, going uh, starting out. And I even remember, even with my own mother, and we, we laugh about it now, but um, so I could talk about it now, thank, thankfully. But even with my own mom, like she just, when I got saved, I was always at church and she was just so annoyed. Like, mm-hmm. and I would ask, and I, of course I was 14, so I would need to ride to church. 
And she would just be like, I'm not taking you to church, you know, like find your own way or get a ride or whatever. Or if I needed to get picked up from Bible study, which we know is typically in the evening on a Wednesday or some day of the week um, on a school night. And she would be like, you're not going to Bible, st Bible study. It's late. It's a school night, you know, like little things like that. Um, and so there was a lot of pushback when I first got saved, but I was always praying and asking the Lord to give me wisdom and knowledge and just for him to make a way in that so i think for those who are new to christ you know my advice in that would be to you know make sure that you read the word and the, about how to deal with the unsaved and be led by the holy spirit starting out um, because there can be a lot of contention with that yeah before you get into that did you say did you say that your family was catholic like your mom's side was catholic both oh both sides were catholic mm -hmm. your mom and your dad's side yep Okay, it's so interesting that you say that because I dealt with the same thing. Yeah. So I was I haven't always been Christian all my life either. And, um, you know, I got saved through like just going to my niece's like baptism and they um, my my brother's wife was Christian. And so oh, wow. they were at a Christian church. And that's where I, I first heard about the love of Christ and, you know, really got that that loving story, that loving story about who God is and, you know, how he cares for us. Right. And so my family was also Catholic. Right. So my mom, like she, you know, she was Catholic. And I thought, you know, that's so interesting that you say that you had pushback because I also had pushback and it was the same, wow. same thing with, <laughs> with like little things yeah. that you were like, oh, you know, I want to go to this church, like not going to church with my mom. Like that mm. was a problem because she thought, um, you know, you're my only girl. You're my only girl, my only little girl. You go where I go. You wow, know, like yeah. if I'm at a Catholic church, you're at the Catholic church. Wow. Like there, there wasn't that whole thing. So little things like that where I was like, I, and I remember it was so funny because I think I was like 16 too, like 16 or 15 or something like yeah. between 14 and 16. Right. And, <laughs> and I remember like protesting and going, I'm not doing drugs. I don't ask to go to the club. I'm a good girl and I want to go to church. I remember, I remember doing that and like tears in my eyes and I was so frustrated with wow. her because like I found this new love and I, wow. you know, and I wanted to explore it. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so it was so, it was so funny. Like, and like, I laugh about that story to, like today because I'm like, man, if my little girl does that to me, I'm going to laugh because I'm going to think she's so cute, you yeah. know? <laughs> But I remember, I remember like having that with my mom and it was just these little things where I'm like, gosh, I just want to go to church. Yeah. You know what? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I, I will never forget that. To, but to piggy off of that, actually, I did have that moment with my mom. And I think that was a bit of a turning point for her because she knew I wasn't one of those kids that was like drinking, getting drunk, doing drugs, you know, going around being promiscuous or, you know, doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing. Like I was an A student. I was very studious. I had a bright future and she knew that. Right. Um, and so I know that it was the spirits that were influencing her that was giving that pushback. So that's why I knew at, like at that point, like I had to pray and I would pray every day, like, Lord, please soften my mom's heart so that I can go. But yeah, the exact same thing. Like I had a protest with her one day and she kind of like had nothing to say. Like she couldn't say nothing. She couldn't rebuttal that. And I think that was like kind of the turning point. And even though she would still get bitter about like having to pick me up or drop me off to church or to the church events, because sometimes we would go have events in other venues. Um, it it wasn't so much of a pushback as it was at the like the first year. And that my neighbors, 
at the time were the ones who actually brought me to where my church currently. So I thank God for them. And there were times where they weren't home to take me because my mom wouldn't mind me going per se. It was just her having to take me that she didn't like. Mm-hmm. Like, like just that that the thought of like, well, I don't want to take you there, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's because she wasn't saved either. Um, even though she knew God, but she just wasn't saved. And so, um, so whenever they weren't around, I had to rely on my mom, and that's where a lot of the pushback came. And so, yeah, it was just interesting um, because I had that same protest, same yeah, protest. That's so funny. Yeah. I will just say, like, during my first year of my life with Christ, I was met with some opposition from my family, as we just mentioned. You know, my mother, she was Catholic, like I said, and, you know, only go to church where she goes. Uh, later, um, a family member, I remember there was a family member or family friend. She was in a family member. She was a family friend. I, I later learned. And she found out that I, you know, was leaving the Catholic church and she was not happy with me. Mm. I mean, she's this really old woman. So just imagine like this really old woman and she's like, you know, finger waving, like, you know, you, why are you going to the Catholic church? You should be where your mom is. And you know, all of this stuff. And (laughs) I don't know if that's just like a cultural belief Mm. because that's just like that whole thing, like being where your mom is, being an only girl. and, And I don't know if it's like a protection thing or a comfort thing for them. Mm. But um, I remember she she would, like I was coming down the stairs because like my mom, like where, how she, like where she lived. Um, I was coming down the stairs and I remember her like grabbing me to go to the Catholic church, like grabbing mm. my arm almost as to drag me yeah. to the Catholic church. And I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> And I could totally see you doing that. Like, this is just, no. You know what I mean? Nah. And so, and, uh, <laughs> And there was so much that I didn't know, you know, at the, at the time, like that was just like, I was just, I just got saved, you yeah. know what I mean? And so I later learned the difference between Catholicism or around that time, not later, but around yeah. that time, I learned the difference between Catholicism and Christianity yeah. being that, yeah. you know, in Catholicism, you know, they worship saints and we're not really called to do that as Christians. Um, right. and you know, then they have like the Pope to kind of lead and guide them and everything. And it's kind of like having that intercessor intercessor before the intercessor type of thing <laughs> where it's like Christ yeah, is supposed yeah, yeah. to be the intercessor, right. but then we use, you know, then they were, they would use the Pope. And so those are like differences that I had to learn that were like not necessarily okay. And so, you know, with that being said, between you and those family members you mentioned before, and maybe some that you can think of now what would you say is the main difference between what you believe and what they believe? Um, so pretty much just about almost everything you said. Um, again, my mom and my, me and my siblings, we didn't grow up in the church. So there wasn't a lot of like, I guess, headbutting with belief systems per se, but more so with the activity of what I believed in. So like going to church, Bible study, um, serving, giving, you know, those types of things. Um, that's where a lot of the he- the headbutt came from. But the, I did, however, at the time I was living with one of um, a, f- a family member at the time that um, uh, my stepfather and he w- he was or claims to be that he's a Christian. Right. Um, but him and I had a lot of headbutting. Right. Um, now, I can't say whether he's saved or not, and I'm not going to do that because that's not my place to judge his where he's going to go eternally. Speaking. Right. Right. But I know that a lot of what the Bible spoke about. Right. And co- continues to speak, really, because the word is alive and living and it's still relevant, relevant to today. Um, he was going against that. 
So a lot of times I would call him out on that, right? I would say, you know, hey, like, you know, you shouldn't be cursing or, hey, you know, you, you shouldn't be this mean, you know, like we're called to be nice and forgiving and this and that. And so him and I had a lot of headbutting because, you know, I was living exactly what the Bible said and at the time he wasn't. Um, and so what, and he was actually the one that was attacking me, not so much my mom. In that experience, you know, that could have easily drawn me away from the church because he claimed and professed to be a Christian, but he was constantly attacking me. Like he, there was times where he would say I was filled with the devil. There's times that he would say that, um, that I'm going to hell and that I don't know God, you know, like, like he was the one attacking me, not my mom. But on the flip end, my family members that were Catholic, they did voodoo. And so in the Cuban culture, if you guys don't know, voodoo is called santeria and that derives from the african culture where they used to worship saints and i guess they still do in that area of africa because my cuban side of the family is afro-cuban so so they would worship saints and so when the slaves came to cuba from africa and the spaniards were like kind of like beating them into believing catholicism the way that they would worship their gods was by praying to the saints, but they were really praying to their African God. So, or gods, because they had multiple. And so with that, in the Cuban culture, Santeria is almost like that's part of the culture, right? So when I so when I was younger, I remember, even though I wasn't saved, I remember this vividly. Um, my family did witchcraft right in front of me. Um, and they, they were doing some Santeria stuff. And they did that throughout my entire young life. But I remember one day in particular where they were messing with santeria and i remember just getting this eerie feeling coming over me and i kept begging my mom can we please leave like i just kept begging her like i don't want to be here i want to go mind you i wasn't safe and but i knew that something was wrong and it was in that moment that i realized if something so dark and so evil could be present there has to be something good there has to be the opposite that was literally what i remember telling myself i I was under 10 at that time having this thought and so a lot of that, like, I, I got a lot of pushback because I never wanted to get involved with that stuff when I wasn't saved. When I became saved, I remember when I was pregnant with my son, my, one of my tias, which is aunt in Spanish, one of my tias was trying to get me to sit down on the couch and she had like this rosary or something. And depending on the way that it's flipped or something like that, will tell you if it's a boy or girl. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I ain't doing it. Yeah. And I told her straight up, no, I'm not. And my husband was there. Thank the Lord for my husband. And my husband's like, mm, he pulled me away from it. <laughs> he somehow distracted her. But they were, and when I tell you they were pushing for me to sit on that thing, they were pushing for me to sit on that thing because she still does a little bit of the witchcraft. And I was just like, wow. And so I found a way to peacefully get away from that without causing headache and arguments. So still loving her, but showing her like i don't believe in this stuff i don't do this stuff anymore and well actually i never did it at all but i don't i don't get involved with that so i've seen both ends where i have family members trying to get me to believe and do certain things that i wasn't comfortable with and had convictions about and then having family members that proclaimed to be saved but they were the ones that were directly attacking me so i've had both 
ends of the spectrum. Yeah, okay. And no matter what someone believes, be it political or religious, things can get a little tense, you know, whenever certain topics come up. And I just heard you say that you were able to peacefully get away from, you know, like what they believe. So how the differences between what your family believes and what you believe affected your relationships? I think my family has more of a respect now um, because thankfully uh, I was praying for them for many years and I still made an effort to maintain my relationships with them. So even though I wouldn't get involved in what they were doing, I made the effort to still you know, maintain that relationship so that I could still minister to them. So I remember um, I would send them scriptures. I'd send them, you know, songs. I'd, I mean, I I would send them stuff and whether they responded or not was on them, but I would just send it as the Holy Spirit would lead me. And eventually, thank God, some of my cousins and my aunt and my grandmother were baptized and they got saved. Wow. Um, Years later, thank God when I was in college. So that it had to have been like five or seven years of me praying for their salvation mm-hmm. and for them to get out of witchcraft. Um, unfortunately, I still have family members that do witchcraft, but at least the ones that I was constantly ministering to, to, they got saved. And to this day, I still have godly conversations with my cousins and they're even stronger in their faith with the Lord. Our relationship is just so much more cohesive. It's so much more intimate because of that. And then as far as the ones who are not safe, our relationship is still good. You know, um, I, I do what the Bible says, which is to try to your best to maintain peace with all men. But they are very well aware of where I stand. So in that, in that sense, um, that's how it's affected my relationship is I made myself clear in what I believe and what I don't believe, what I will do and what I will not do. But I never let that affect my love for them, my presence, my support. Um, as long as it wasn't compromising my beliefs, because first and foremost, God first, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so it's, I've seen relationships mend even closer and I, and I still maintain those relationships to this day. Yeah. And so that just shows me that obviously no matter what, you, you know, the differences between what a family member believes and what you believe, there's still that love there. Right. Yeah. Um, which reminds me of, you know, it reminds me of a story in the Bible Um, And I think it was, who was it? You tell me if you know, if you recognize who these two people are, but there's, there's two people in the Bible and I think it's a, an uncle and a nephew and, you know, they separated because they didn't want to quarrel over like their possessions in the land that they were in. So they separated, they came to an agreement and were like, you know what, we need to, you know, I don't, the the uncle came to the nephew and was like, I don't want to argue with you about, you know, who owns what. And, Mm. you know, so let's just separate. If you go, if you go left, I'll go right. And so that's how they, they separated. Um, and one, one went to a good land, which was nice and rich and filled with things. And another one ended up in a land where there was like, you know, all kinds of things that were just like against God and just not a good place to be. Mm. And so, um, you know, that was the nephew and the nephew being there, he ended up, you know, actually being um, captured and having to go through some things while he was there and word got sent to his uncle and his uncle ended up being able to come and rescue him and save him and his whole family from you know being captured in the area i think they were in saddam or something are you remembering who it is i think it might be abraham abraham and lot yes 
yeah. it was. And so, you know, that story just made me think about what you were saying about how, like, you know, even though you and your family may not agree, you still have love for them, yeah. right? And you still want to lovingly tell them the truth, right? right? And so, like, you still have each other's backs, like, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And you told, you told me a little bit just now, like, you did say a little bit. How do you go about trying to have those biblical conversations? You said you would send them text messages and you would pray for them. But were, were, was there ever a moment where you would actually have a conversation with them to tell them about Christ, to tell them about how Christ loved them? You know, did that ever happen? And if so, how did, how did that go? Yeah, there were. Um, so we had a tradition in my um, Cuban side of the family where um, every Christmas we would go to one of my aunt's houses and we would the whole family would gather around on Christmas Eve and we would exchange presents and we, it was like a little party, like a family party. And that was just something we did traditionally for many years since I could remember since I was a little girl. So during those times, which because they live like a, um, over an hour away from me. Um, and so I'm not able to get down to them as much as I used to because I moved up here um, when I was 14 and I got saved up here. So they still lived south of me. So we would only really go to see them maybe once or twice a year, right? Because I couldn't drive at the time and I didn't have a car at the time. So there was one Christmas I remember vividly. I was wearing a shirt uh, that my best friend had made that says, you know, um, don't see me, see Christ, right? Uh, or don't see me but see the Christ in me or something like that and I wore that shirt boldly mm-hmm. and I didn't care okay. <laughs> and and so that sparked up conversations and so that was like my, my moment and I would just have little conversations with them here and there and I remember talking with the very cousins that I'm that are now saved they weren't saved at the time I remember talking to those very cousins because you know they inquired about it and they were just like Oh, but you know, the, the pastors only want money and I don't want to get my money. And oh, yeah, they're that. just, you know, when there's some perverts and, you know, in ministry and they just do it so they can have, you know, relations with young children and da da da. Like they were like bashing the church. Yeah. And I just remember telling them, like, you know, God doesn't condone that. God's not involved in that. And I remember telling them, like, you know, um, you got to remember that we, can, we don't know people's hearts the way God does. But all we know is that whatever the Holy Spirit leads us to do, you do it and you let God get vengeance on it, right? So if the Holy Spirit tells you to do something and that person does something evil and wicked with it, that's between them and God and God will get his vengeance, right? And so that shut them up. Like they were just like, hmm, good point, you know? (laughs) And um, And so that was, I think, the turning point for them as well, where they realized like, you know, God doesn't take pleasure in evil. God isn't involved in that. And that man is flawed. And this is why we need Christ. And we and that the blood of Jesus, that's why it was shed. That's why he had such a brutal death. Was because we deserve that kind of brutality for our sins. And yet he took it for us. And so I think it kind of opened up their eyes to see like, you know, it's not. And yes, although we are ambassadors and we carry the image of Christ and we should carry that image and, and be an ambassador and our lives should be an example to others to follow, you're still going to have those bad apples that claim. But it doesn't mean that they g- genuinely are with God. And God makes it very clear in his word. You know, there will be people that come to him that say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this and that in your name? And he's just like, depart from me, you, you know, you, you wicked, you know, evildoers. I don't know you. Right. So there. So you're going to have people that claim that they know God, but they don't know him. Right. So they have the image or the 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 little, you know, the nice little um, dress up of being a child of God. But God never knew them. And so I had that conversation with them that night. And I think that kind of hit and struck with them. 
ever since. And I think that caused them to kind of go into searching about who God is. And praise God, I mean, years later, now they're saved and they're sanctified. And I mean, they're living for God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. That's so interesting. So loving someone is definitely about lovingly being able to tell them the truth, like you were just mentioning before. And I think most times, you know, just by our human nature, like we don't always want to accept, like, you know, our flesh is like, you know, just kind of words against that. Like we don't want to accept what the truth is. Right. And I think people sometimes, um, we can have people who don't react really well to hearing, you know, what the truth is. So, you know, it's, it's important to note that like, you can always, you know, tell someone the truth and help someone to understand who Christ is by lovingly telling them what you know and what the Bible says. Right. Cause like you could have, you could have taken what they were saying about, you know, the church and all of that and been like discouraged and kind of right. like attack them back and be like, right. well, you know, there are people who are not in Christ who still do that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, it's your flesh and you, you could have you could have kind of came at it that way. But you you lovingly just told them the truth and you made them understand like God loves us and he doesn't condone those things to happen. You know what I mean? Yep. And so I think, um, you know, that that's important to note that we we still though we have differences um, in what we believe, we still want to be able to lovingly tell the truth. Yeah. All right. So we talked about lovingly telling them the truth, but I'm curious what else would you talk about with your with your family members? Because I know one thing that we don't want to do, um, no matter what we believe, is constantly telling someone about what we believe or only talking within the parameters of what we believe, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, because that can get a little robotic and exhausting, honestly. Right. But um, so what else would you guys talk about? Did you only talk about you know what you guys believed and the differences in what you believed? Or were you able to have common... Um, common ground conversations as well. I think the first thing we always have to remember is that we're human (laughs) and so are they. And I think once you take out the idea of this is an obligatory action that I have to do as a Christian to save souls and making that your only thing, I think then we lose that touch of being human and being able to relate. And I think about the scripture with uh, Paul where he was like, you know, you're so heavily bound that you know earthly good. Oh, yeah. So with that scripture and with that being said, um, I made sure that whenever I had conversations with my family members that I didn't always make it about God and Jesus and the Bible and Christianity. Because at the end of the day, you know, I didn't come to God because somebody kept talking to me about God. Right. I came to God because people were living it out. They would from time to time at the right time um, bring up God. But they also related to me and had a common ground with me, you know. Um, and so I went and I went about it the same way with my family members. So we would talk about girl stuff, you know. We would talk about memories and the times we would like hang out and every weekend we'd go ice skating because we lived down the street from an ice skating rink. Um, we would talk about the funny times when we went to the movies or went to this one restaurant that we were addicted to and we had to eat there once a week, you know. So we talked about like all of our childhood stuff. We talked about just any little thing really it was just wholesome conversations and from time to time when the opportunity presented itself i made sure to jump on that opportunity to to bring in christ but i didn't always turn every conversation into jesus the bible christianity so yeah yeah Yeah, i know i know yeah we were talking about how exhausting that can be we don't want to be 
like those people i don't know and i wonder if that's what it means when they say bible thumper yeah is that what that means where they're like your every single conversation is just like god is like god and like hell and brimstone yeah and we and we we're not that we don't want to be that that's not what we're talking about yeah you know and it's fine that you like what you believe will will have roots in everything else that you do and say we're not saying there's anything wrong with that like that's fine that's gonna happen um because for for example what i mean by that is let's say you're talking about you know, going to a family event or like a party, right? And, or going to a party with a family member. You know, I'm also not saying that you should, you know, compromise and let, you know, let yourself have certain things or do certain things because you want to relate to someone that's not, you know, Christian or what you believe. So just to piggyback off of what you just said. So like the example that you said, right? So let's say you go to a party with a cousin, right? Or a brother or a sister, Let's just say somebody you're closest to, right? And you, you're going to this party, let's say a friend's party, and you know that that friend's not saved. And there's drinking, there's smoking, there's, you know, provocative dancing, inappropriate, you know, clothing. Um, you know, you yourself may go to that party, which I, I personally wouldn't recommend you do that. But let's just say you happen to go to that party for whatever reason. You yourself don't get caught up in the, the ways of this world, the methods of this world, right? So you may not be drinking, you may not be smoking, you may not be dressing provocatively, you may not be dancing up on a man or a woman or whatever in an inappropriate way, but you're there with that person and you know, and you let them know. Um, or even let's say they invite you to a party like that, right? Because t- I believe that there should be boundaries of where you go, right? Um, and you should only go there if the purpose is to minister in those types of settings, right? You shouldn't just go there willy-nilly. Um, because it can be a, a, a it can brew um, an opportunity of um, um, falling into sin. So let's say your cousin invites you to a party like that. You could easily just tell them no and then say, you know, you could just say, you know, um, I don't really feel comfortable going to, you know, that kind of setting um, at this moment. However, you know, let, what other day are you available that we can go grab some coffee? Yeah. You know, like just finding a way to still show them that you're interested in them, but you're not interested in some of the activities. Yeah. And that's in. a really good segue to be like, yeah, I'm not going to do that, but I will do this. Yeah. Right. And so because they, a lot of times people think you're just like I used to be called like the goody, the goody two shoe Christian right where oh she doesn't drink she doesn't do this she doesn't do that da, 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 da. like she, she's no fun and i'm like that's not true i my friends be having a good old time with me okay yeah. i know how to have fun i'm from my i'm from the 305 okay? <laughs> so <laughs> we know how to have a good time but i also know how to have a good time without having any opportunity for sin to brew right and so um so being able to give them that alternative shows them hey it's not like you're not you can't be around them. It's not like they're like this this dirty rag that you just can't walk around with, right? Because the whole point of, of us is we live in this world, but we're not of this world. Right. You know, and so just being able to still carry um, your yourself in a way that pleases God, but that you're still able to relate, right? So don't be so earth, so heavenly bound that you literally cannot have human conversations with your family members, you know, and I think that's important to keep in mind is that you're human too. You're, you have emotions, you have experiences, and they're not always quote unquote biblical, you know, um, and and when you're having conversations with people, you're not talking with other Christians, you're not talking about the Bible 24 seven, you know, I can have a conversation with you and, you know, we'd be talking about all types of stuff, you know, and it's not always about the Bible, but then we have those moments where when it's appropriate and, and I mean, for the most part, we talk about the Bible all the time, but let's say one of us isn't saved, you know, we can still relate, but 
when the time is right, when it's appropriate, when they're open and willing to listen, that's your opportunity to jump on it. And the Holy Spirit will show you. So always rely on the Holy Spirit to show you when it's appropriate to bring in Christ with those unsaved family members. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, Well, thank you for being here. I really do appreciate your time. So I want to ask you before we close off, is there any piece of advice or, you know, counsel that you would give to someone that, you know, they have family members or they just got, they have family members that are not saved that, or just don't believe what they believe and, you know, they're saved or they just got saved. Is there any recommendations, any tips that you would give to them about how to kind of maneuver through that family dynamic and how to have certain conversations? Yeah. So, um, always start with yourself, right? Um, make sure that you're checking your heart to see like, you know, what is it in you that may cause, um, disunity among you and that other family member because there are times that you have to kind of back up from certain family members but there are times where you don't have to back up and you kind of just got to change your approach um but it starts with you first right start with you first and ask god to just show you your heart right um so like i used to be very slick out the mouth right i used to get um very offended very easily by any little thing and i used to be very prideful And so I, you know, before I had any conversations with my family members about Christ, those are some things I had to deal with first, because like you were saying earlier, I could have gotten offended by my cousins, you know, bashing the church. But at that point in my walk, I had already dealt with a lot of those, you know, um, offenses and not, you know, being wise about certain things and controlling my anger and knowing, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they're entitled to what they believe, right? Even though it might not be right, but but I cannot take offense to that because if I do, that's proving their point even further. Yeah. Um, so I'd say first and foremost, start with you. All right. Let God work on your heart. Yeah. Be so, honest with yourself yeah. about like what your shortcomings are, what your yes. weaknesses are. And I think that helps because if someone tries to, you know, pluck out and be like, pluck that one thing about you out mm. and be like, well, you, you know, do this, that or the third, you could be like, I know, I know I do. And because I've done those things, I don't do those things anymore. I can boast in that and, and say that, you know, God has made me stronger. He's made me a better person Amen. because of the things that he allowed me to, you know, experience and go through. Now I am, you right. know, for him. And I, you know, and I and I can stand firm in the belief that, you know, God was the one that brought me through this and Amen. he saved me, you know, from this. Yeah. So, you know, that's another point I wanted to bring out because you, you mentioned that, you know, before um, and off air and. Um, and I just wanted to bring that out. That that's a very important, yeah. you know, thing to to know. Yep. The second thing I would even uh, I would really say that's foundational is keep praying for those family members. You know, um, and don't lose hope in your prayer. You know, if the Lord put it on your heart and promises you that you know these people are going to get saved, because the Lord promised me that that my family is going to get saved. I didn't see that uh, prayer come to. I didn't see that come to reality until years later, like five to seven years later after I got saved. Um, is when I finally, one of my family members did get saved. And so keep praying for them. Don't stop praying for them and make sure that you remember it's not about you. You know, when you're having these conversations with them, always remember it's not about you. It's about them. And love is selfless. Love is not about self. It's selfless. And so 
if that's the case, you should be more concerned about that person than you are about your own feelings or about your own little offenses, you know, and really lay that down before you go into that conversation with them. Always pray, especially when they're unsaved and you know that your heart is to see them saved. Always pray before you have those encounters with them. Because that's what I used to do. Like when I knew that we were going to go visit, like I was saying during those Christmas times, I always prayed during that time, like leading up to it, like, Lord, like give me the words to say, give me wisdom, you know, show me how to not get offended. Show me, you know, what to say to them, how to say it. And that's how I was able to address my cousins with wisdom, you know, um, because I already had the Holy Spirit downloading things into me and dealing with my heart before I went into that conversation. Um, and so I would I highly encourage you to pray about it before you go into that conversation. And let's say in the in the moment where let's say you're having a conversation and something offensive comes across, there's nothing wrong with making it known that you're offended, right? Um, but it's you staying in that offense and you uh, uh, lashing out in that offense because you can choose to, you know, address the offense and say, hey, you know, I didn't really appreciate that. Or you could say, you know what? Okay, conversation over. Let's reconvene another time you know so knowing when to pump the brakes when you know that something's um provoking you right and being wise about knowing when to leave a conversation and maintain that peace instead of causing an argument or debate and then lastly i'd say you know um to to make sure that when you are with your family members right and you're having those conversations with them and you know just know when to bring up christ and know when to not bring up christ so have that self-control that's a good one that's a that's a really good oh man i could tell you some stories where i because like like i think when i first got saved i was so overzealous and i wanted to please god (laughs) because you have this thing where you want to please god and you think you know you have to bring up these things every single time where you just you have to like mention you know christ or god or some way and yeah. i think sometimes we get lost in that and so i think that's a really good tip to adhere to for sure yeah well again thank you for being here this was a great conversation and if you guys want to know more about how to get more of my content please stay tuned for the outro Today we talked about family. We compared the differences between what we believe and what our family members believe. Then we talked about how we can lovingly have conversations with them. This was a really fun conversation and series to explore. This is the end of the Spears of Influence series. Please join us on Instagram at winchat underscore and Facebook at winchat winchat. Please send any questions you want answered or topics you want to hear on the show to winchat21 at yahoo.com. Next week we'll be talking about confrontation. What is it and how do we handle it? Christian or not, I'm sure you'll gain something from next week's episode. Here's a little snippet. The Bible says a friend loves at all times and that a brother is born for adversity. There's this idea that conflict can bring people closer together, especially when they're able to overcome whatever they may disagree on. In your opinion, should people be canceled for disagreeing on a matter? What's your take on what the Bible has to say about confrontation in that verse we shared? Um, no, I don't think people should be canceled over confrontation. As humans, we have to realize we're not going to always agree with each other, but it's how we deal with the disagreement. I'm not going to lie. I'm probably one of the sensitive ones, so it takes me a while to come around to realize, okay, just because we didn't see eye to eye doesn't mean we have a dislike or we hate each other. It just means on that subject or that matter, we don't agree. 
But we have to learn how to disagree respectfully. And I think that's where the trouble comes in. That if you don't agree with the matter or you don't agree with this person or what they're doing, then it automatically becomes a hate crime or something more than just a normal disagreement. And I do agree with the verse the Bible said, because even if you read the Bible, there was plenty of disagreements in the Bible. So we're no different from that. So we just have to learn how to disagree respectfully. Sometimes you don't need to apologize to somebody. We just need to accept you don't see my point of view. I don't see your point of view and move on. If you like what you heard, tune in next week to hear more. See you later.